what is your identity? When someone asks you, who are you, right? What do you think of automatically? Maybe your first thought is, I am my career, right? For me, if someone were to say, hey, Ellen, like, who are you? Who's Ellen Taylor? I would have been like, oh, she's a news reporter. She's a radio personality. She's all of those things. So, you know, come 2020, when the world shut down and life completely changed for a lot of us, for me personally, I lost my identity because it was wrapped up in my career. But that's not to say that everyone's identity is wrapped up in their career. So whatever that might be for you, right? When someone says, who are you? You might think I'm a mom. I'm a daughter. I'm a business owner. But what if those things go away, right? And your identity is stripped of you. What do you do from there when you don't know literally who you are? So let's just take a few minutes to think about that. Joining me today is a friend of mine. He is a Hall of Famer at the University of Washington. Go Dogs! Currently the director of Legends and Player Engagement for the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, but more importantly, like I said, a friend of mine, the one and only Mario D. Bailey. Mario, I asked I asked Lofa last week uh, on the podcast if, if he was nervous. I'm going to ask you the same thing. Are you nervous? I am a little bit nervous, but I think I'm always nervous for something I'm excited about or looking forward to doing. So You've had a lot of spotlight on you, though, over your entire life, really. I know that you are more of a private guy. You, you're more on the... Would you say that you're shy, though, Mario? I don't know if I could say that you're shy. Would you describe yourself as that? I would describe myself as shy in certain moments. Uh, I wouldn't totally describe myself like that, but... If you get to know me, I'm not, but initially I'm kind of shy, reserved, and uh, quiet, laid back, but I'm all those things a lot of times anyway, but not completely if you happen to know me. So if I'm most comfortable around my friends and family because I can just be myself and I don't have to be shy or be reserved like that. Are you shy or reserved around me? Aside from cameras, if that wasn't in your face, are you shy and reserved around me? I would say half the time. Um, a lot of times when I see you, there's a lot of people around and you have a, you're a high energy person. And, and uh, that makes me smile and laugh because I can't be how you are around a lot of people. So um, I'm shy and reserved just depending on the crowd that we're around. A conversation that you and I had not too long ago, I want to say it was right around the holidays, really stuck with me. And so this season of the Ellen Taylor show, I am um not coming from a perspective of, hey, I have the tools for everyone listening to get out of the rut that they're in or to overcome these terrible things, or I have no answers at all. But what I want to do with the show is to introduce people that have helped me along the last couple of years in terms of figuring out who the hell I am. Like, I want to remember who I am, but also I want to leave behind the things that didn't really serve me and how to move forward. Because, you know, a lot of your identity, Mario, was wrapped up in in your career, right? So you're, you're a Hall of Fame right now at the University of Washington. Um, back in the 90s, you were a big deal, the Heisman pose. And I want you to describe that because it's better hearing it from, from your perspective. So what was your identity in college and I guess, you know, when you got drafted to the Oilers and when you went to Germany to play, what was your identity during your playing years? Well, my identity will forever be, especially if you're from Washington State or you're in Seattle or whatever, uh, or you're old like me. Stop um, it. You'll remember that Heisman pose and, <laughs> and you'll remember that we won the national championship. But not only did we win the national championship, uh, my senior year, I was the first team All-American. I still hold the record in the Pac-12 for um, 
touchdowns in a season. I probably had one of the best seasons in Washington sports history, and we won the championship. So most people here will forever know me for that Heisman pose, and they know me as a Washington Husky. So my career will always be, or my identity will always be to a lot of those people, Mario Bailey from the Huskies. That's not who I totally am, but it's a part of me, and it's a part um, that a lot of people won't let go. Like when I'm seen, or if you're a Husky fan and you see me, I would say 50% of them strike the Heisman pose or ask me to strike the Heisman pose. I will not strike the Heisman pose. I tell them every time I did it one time and that's all we're going to do. But um, that's my identity to a lot of people in the state of Washington. Now, when at some point you said you said it yourself, right? It's not your entire identity now, but Mm -hmm. when you were playing, when you were in college at UW, that was your entire identity. Is that fair to say at that time that was your identity wholly? Oh, yeah. Definitely. In the moment, that's who I was. And, you know, striking the Heisman pose is like a gift and a curse because that moment, it comes off kind of cocky and arrogant. But for people in Washington, they understood it because we were playing against the actual Heisman winner and we kind of beat the the hell out of them and, and we won the national championship. So it was one of those things that You'll remember forever if you are a Husky fan. It might be the most memorable Husky moment because it's the only time that we've actually won a a national championship. So definitely that was my identity in the moment. Yeah, and and Mario speaks very humbly. I mean, if you've spent any time with with Mario, he is a humble, very down-to-earth person. So I appreciate you even just saying it because I know you saying it like that too is is not something that you normally – tout about by any means um, i read an article i want to say was it last summer the summer before i'm not exactly sure but again you, you currently you work with the seattle seahawks and so you work with some other well-known wide receivers and i read an article that you know tyler lockett worked yeah. with you for years before he realized that you were i mean i'm gonna say it i know you won't i'm gonna say it you were better than tyler lockett was when he was in college and and it wasn't about you saying oh man back in my day i used to be you kid you worked with tyler for years before he realized <laughs> who the legend was in front of him. But that takes a lot of work to separate your identity of who you were then to, you know, who you are now. So let's talk about what happens after you get done playing, right? You got drafted by the Oilers, but then you went over to Germany. You were a big deal in Germany. I believe you still are. I read another article about that when the Seahawks went to, um, to Germany last fall. So you come back and... And then what happens? What hap- It's hard for anyone to transition out of professional sports, is what I understand. What happens to you when you come back to Seattle and, and you're still this UW legend, but you do you still identify as that? I mean, what, what happens? Well, you kind of skip over it, so I'm going to just break it down as fast as I can. So when I got drafted by the Oilers, I was in the starting lineup with Warren Moon, and I felt like, I was headed on to a great career and I tore my hamstring my rookie year while I was in the starting lineup. That put a tailspin on my entire career. From that point on, I was um, in camp in the New York Jets, back with the Oilers in Atlanta, in camp here with the Seahawks, over in Europe. I went to the XFL, I went to the AFL, I went to the CFL. I did it all. I played some type of professional for 12 years, but 
if you look at my college career and you know I'm a first-team All-American and I had this great season and great career at the University of Washington, you're expecting that to transfer over and for me to have this great NFL career, even though I was kind of small in stature at the time. Um, But you would think that I was going to have this great NFL career, and I didn't. And, you know, people like to make excuses of, of why they didn't, the coach didn't like me. I can give the excuse that my first year I tore my hamstring. But from that point on, I feel like I just didn't work hard enough. Like God gave me a a vision and he said, I'm going to make you work for it. And I didn't put in the work that I should have put in. Like I played in the NFL Europe and Germany and I was great, but I was great just naturally, just um, based on talent. And I didn't put in the work. And, you know, you wake up 12 years later and, people still associate you and still consider you as this Mario Bailey, the Heisman Trophy pose guy and this All-American, but I'm coming back. In reality, I hadn't really had a job. I didn't have a resume. I hadn't finished my degree because I left after four years and uh, still had a year left of college to go. And I'm just totally lost and I'm hiding from people because I got tired of like coming around and seeing people like strike the Heisman pose and ask me what happened. What happened to you? What are you doing? Like, I'm not doing anything. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying not to spend money like I have money. You know, NFL Europe, you didn't make any real money. It was a chance for you to show your talents and go to the NFL. So it wasn't like some big cash cow or anything. So I'm just totally lost. I'm hiding from my friends. I'm hiding from my family. If there was a Mario Bailey sighting, it was rare because I was literally just uh, trying to figure it out. Didn't know what to do. Um, I smoked weed back then. I don't smoke now, but I smoked weed back then. And I tell people I was just in like a coma, a marijuana induced not just necessarily hide, but just hiding from people because that would just kind of take me away from reality. And the reality is I had to try and figure out what life was going to do. I didn't want to be associated with uh, just being a, a football player because prior to playing football in school, I was voted most likely to succeed. Not because I was a football player, but because I was a, a smart, intelligent talented person and I could do everything so I had to try and figure it out get it back together and eventually I did thank God and 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 here we are today I think a lot of people are under the impression that when you came back you were loaded right you had all of this money and then the reality is is that right like you don't you you didn't have the typical resume now you're you're forced back into quote-unquote the real world you for lack of a better term you're kind of mortal again right you are a mortal like everybody else but when everyone else was building up their typical resumes you didn't get that chance to because you were off pursuing your dream when we talk about identity and who you are if you're listening and you're not a professional athlete you're like okay well this doesn't apply to me but it does because i've always said this athletes um you guys deal with things on a bigger scale but 
uh, if you guys can deal with things on such a huge scale, we can learn things from that because we all deal with it within ourselves and our lives and our community. Let's go back to this conversation that you and I were having over the holidays. My identity was my career. I come back to Seattle because this is where my people are. Um, if I wanted a chance at honestly surviving, at living, at waking up every day, I needed to get out of Michigan and I needed to come back to the only place that I knew as quote unquote home. Um, and that was to come back to Seattle. And like you, Mario, I'm walking around and I'm seeing people and people are asking, what are you doing? Oh my gosh, where, what, what news station are you going to work at next? What radio station? You should go here. You should go there. And my soul was crushed because don't you think if I wanted to, I would have like when I first came back is what I wanted to say to people. Like, don't you think if I wanted to, I would have, do you think I want to have these weird, uncomfortable conversations? And when someone says, Hey, well, what are you up to now? And the real answer is I don't fucking know. Like that's embarrassing. Right. And I don't want to say that. So it was easy for me, right. To go into hiding. And I didn't even realize I was going into hiding. And, you know, I, I'm not a big alcohol drinker by any means, but for me, my glass of wine sometimes is smoking a little bit. And, you know, now thinking about it, I got into a bad habit of doing it a little too much because it helped me escape until you and I were having a conversation about something completely different. And somehow, oh, you were helping me with a, a project that I was doing with, with Simply Seattle, which thank you again, by the way. And that kind of led to the conversation of you going into hiding for 10 years. And I hope you don't take offense to this, but I took that conversation as a cautionary tale. Mm -hmm. You go into hiding for 10 years. What happens during that 10 years when you lose your identity? Is it mourning your identity? How do you find an identity? What do you do in that 10 years to, to, to get you out of that? And how can someone fast track it? Because 10 years is a long time. Well, you can't do what I did and, and that's become reclusive and isolate yourself. You know, isolation is a bad, bad thing. And that's kind of what I did. I was isolated and my mom is my everything. And even she couldn't get to me. And I remember my aunt asking her one time because I wouldn't come to like the family events. And she's like, he knows we don't care about football. Like he's still ours. And it wasn't that it was just football. It's just like, I just fell down on myself and didn't know where to go. I didn't know how to figure it out, but you cannot isolate yourself. You have to figure out, um, find people um, that are motivated and are doing things and to just surround yourself with people like that. I didn't surround myself with anybody. I, like I said, I was just isolated and hiding and until I couldn't hide anymore. And that's when I had to figure it out. I knew I had to go back to school. I knew I had to get a degree. I knew I had to get a regular job. I knew I had to get a resume. And I just started looking at it as, okay, um, a lot of these people that I know, they just got the head start on me. They got the jump on me, but I know who I am. And I feel like I've always been a winner and I've always been able to figure it out. So um, a guy told me and and it was one of some of the best advice I heard. I don't know if it's advice or he was just giving me a warning. He's like, okay, now you're going to be in the business world and you're going to be in the job world. And he's like, a lot of these guys are going to want to see you successful, but then you're going to have the people that watched you be successful and watched you climb the heights that they couldn't. And now you're in their world and they're going to want to kick your ass. They're going to want to uh, beat you in what we call the business world and another success. 
And that motivated me. That got me started. That got me back into college. Um, the University of Washington was gracious enough to pay for my degree. Once I proved that I was actually going to go, I had to go to Seattle Community College for a quarter to prove that I was committed to coming back. And then after that, they actually paid for me to finish my degree, and I went back to the University of Washington. It's a little difficult going at 35, um, but I got it done. So that was the start of me getting back on track. Do you think that there is, you say, you know, you can't be reclusive. You can't go into hiding. You can't, is it can't or you shouldn't or you should, but don't be in it for that long? Because I, I will say that I think I needed to, to separate myself. I needed time to grieve and mourn. Do you think that you needed time to grieve and mourn? Do you think you gave yourself too much time to do it? Do you think that was a necessary step? Or or were you more of like a, I wish I would have just ripped the Band-Aid off it and just gone out and started doing things? It's okay to go recharge and disappear for a bit. But I would still say surround yourself with somebody. Let somebody know. Um, I isolated myself so much that I love being alone now more than anything. And I was never like that. I was always surrounded by people, friends, family. Um, but now my peace is being by myself. I just don't feel like isolation is a great thing. It's okay to go recharge and get yourself together um, if you need to do that, but you don't need to always do that by yourself. You can have somebody that you trust be around or you can even tell them that this is what you're doing, but isolation is not it. Last week on the podcast, I had, you know, our friend Lofa Tatupu on and we were talking about the fact that sometimes, you know, you don't know what you need when you're in a bad place, right, or a sad place or, or in hiding or whatever. You don't know what it is that you need, but sometimes um, having friends who will just sit with you in that uncomfortable makes a big difference, right? Who were those people for you? Or were there people outside of those that you were expecting? I mean, obviously you and your mom are so tight and so close, right? Mom's is always gonna have your back, right? But were there people that surprised you that actually helped you maybe either sit in that un uncomfortable or that gave you advice that you weren't expecting, that you didn't go off searching for, that you felt maybe God brought into your life? It's really not one person I, I attributed to like say, my mom and aunties and my grandmothers just like praying for me because it all just started coming together, you know, from going back to school um, and getting my degree. I started coaching at Franklin High School. My coach of 30 years at Franklin, he retired and he gave me the job and that taught me that I should be around kids, that I enjoyed being around kids. And I felt like when I was around the kids that um, people didn't judge what I was doing. Like people are judgy if you're an uh, ex-professional football player and then you're doing a certain job. At one time I took a job at UPS and I was loading planes part-time late at night. <clears throat> and the, uh, the manager called me in his office after about three weeks working there. And he's like, are you the, and I was like, wow, this is crazy. And I was like, nope. And I said, no, I'm not. And I looked at him and just kind of gave him a look. He knew I was, but I was like, man, I don't want to, you know. I only worked there another week and I was gone. But why were you that gone? That was part of the journey, too. Yeah, why were you gone? You told me this UPS story, and that, that part especially stuck with me. So I'm glad that you brought it up. Why did you feel like you need to leave? The manager knows who you are now, right? Mm -hmm. Realizes you're that guy. And, like, 
did you feel uncomfortable? Did you feel like he was putting pressure on you? Could he not let it go? Why did you only work there for another week afterwards? I just didn't like people looking at me and I didn't like the, the judgy feeling I got. And I just didn't want to be a part of that anymore. So, I, you know, I was hiding. <laughs> so it was like he blew my cover. You know, if the manager knows who I am, then everybody knows who I am. And I'm not trying to, um, to be around it. So I just got out of there. It wasn't like it was, it was at the moment I didn't have like benefits. So it was like a part-time job to get benefits and uh, health and dental insurance and eyes and all that good stuff. And uh, just didn't feel like it was worth it. I wanted to go back to hiding. So I left. Was there resentment for your career? Was there resentment? You know, you had this great career that became your identity. There was a lot of success in there, right? And then now it's it's done. I'm, I'm speeding through the story, right? But it's done. Mm -hmm. And now you're trying to figure out who you are. Was there resentment? Like, why did I go all in on this? Why did I make this my identity? Like, was there anger for your success? No, no, no. I, I, I would say it's just regret of not, doing what I should have did, you know, and I, and, and I talk to schools, I go to schools and I speak and I tell people like a lot of things you might get a second opportunity, but like athletes, you know, you have a small little window from say professional athletes, 21 to 30 at 30 in the NFL, you're old. Like no matter what you're old, that window closes. Now I could go work out and work hard right now, but I can't play with DK and Tyler and all these guys. Like it doesn't, that window is closed. You can't get that opportunity. So when you get these opportunities, you got to take full advantage. And I just feel like I didn't take full advantage and I don't have an excuse and I don't have um, anybody to blame, but me. So when I think about it, it hurts me and I have to, I have to live with that. The best thing I can do is like come on this podcast and tell people if you get an opportunity, take advantage of it. And that's what I learned on the journey after I came out of my shell. I started working with kids, got a job with King County, um, working with kids, getting them jobs, getting them back to school. I got my real estate license. I started my own foundation. I started doing everything and taking full advantage of every opportunity given to me because I know now. Don't let an opportunity slip by. Ooh, you're giving me a little bit of goosebumps here because I have been, ooh, sorry. I don't know why I'm getting going to get emotional about it. Mm. I've been so resentful towards my success in my career. Oh, I was not going to cry. And I was definitely not going to cry in front of you, Mario Bailey, but um, here we go. Um, this is why I also didn't want to do a podcast that tells you how to get out of a hole because I'm clearly still in it. Um, but I've been so resentful of my career and my success because I feel like I took my eye off of things that was that were more important, um, and I focused it all on my career. Um, but you're you're making me think a little bit about oh, why am I so emotional? Sorry. Um, it's okay. I don't have regrets like you did, right? I don't. I, I know that I did everything, and I I would talk with my coworkers and I'd be like, man, like, I know it's not going to last forever and I'm making the best out of it. And I, and I love every second of it because I knew it wasn't going to last for forever. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't know which is a worse, uh, uh, 
I don't know which is the lesser of two evils, being resentful or being regretful. Um, because I wasn't regretful, but I've been resentful. And I think because I've been resentful, it hasn't given me the chance or space to think about the good that I can do um, mm-hmm. with my life and my talents moving forward because I'm so angry. The fact that I'm, I feel more comfortable on camera. I feel more comfortable. Here we go. Let's just be one, 100 transparent. You and I had that conversation in December and I have been too pussy to call you back up and continue to tap your brain about it because I don't want to talk about my feelings. I don't want to talk about that stuff. Instead, I have a podcast where this is where I feel more at home to talk about things. I feel more comfortable here. How messed up is that? Right. But maybe this is my purpose. This is it. So then that way we can talk about not about using the things that God gave you to help other people. And if that means crying on a podcast with a guy like Mario Bailey, then I guess I'm going to do it. But I will say I take back the word regret because I'm on this podcast. I'm in this building with the Seahawks and my journey is for a purpose is to tell somebody is to help those is to help others. Like I'm here with all these athletes and I can see the guys, I can see the guys that um, run out of the building as soon as practice is over and don't put in the extra work or aren't working out and not doing all the things, all the things that I was doing. Like I have a purpose and that's to share the word, that's to let people know. So it wasn't like it was for nothing because it's for something because God, I don't wanna get spiritual, but God placed me in this position to be able to tell people so that they hear my story and they don't um, fall down the same potholes or, uh, or go the direction I went. So I can't regret it because it's made me who I am. I don't know what I would be if, if everything had went the way I thought it was supposed to, um, you know, it doesn't go the way you want it to go. It goes the way God planned it to go. So I can't say regret, but I definitely think about, what ifs, but you could go down a what if on everything. So uh, I'm on thankful everything. that I'm still here. Yeah, I'm thankful that I'm still here. I'm thankful that I have this position with the Seahawks, uh, do radio for the Huskies, and it all it all came back around. So I'm good. I don't know. I I'm still kind of stuck in my head a little bit about what the regret thing and the and the resentment and the trying to find purpose and. <sighs> You will find purpose, and it's all part of your journey. Where do you find peace in your life knowing that the journey never ends? How, how do you find comfort in the now? Because that's something that I'm struggling with in terms of, like, I don't know what my identity is. I don't know who really I am. I thought I was coming out of it, but if I knew that I was going to cry on a podcast, I wouldn't have hit record, to be completely fair. But here we are. Um, how do you find calm in the now even when you were in hiding for 10 years how, how did you find those pockets of peace my peace how i know what my peace is my peace is my family and friends like i find that i find all my peace when i can just hang out and we can tell lies about old stories and we can laugh like um getting together with my family and knowing people are good and we're actually stable and successful that is all the peace I need. And my peace is making sure my mom is is okay and my aunts and the people that took care of me that now I can make sure that I can take care of them. God has granted me the biggest peace I could ever ask for and that's to make sure that my family is okay. So 
I'm always at peace for the most part because I'm taking care of my family and that's that's what I want to do. We've touched on on it a lot, and I know that you and I both are big believers in God and faith, and we don't need to necessarily get preachy about it because whatever it is that you believe in, I think that it, there is something bigger than than all of us um, out here. How do you develop a, a relationship with, in our, in our case, it's God, right? But again, for anyone listening, it might be universe, source, whatever it is for you. How do you develop a relationship with something that's bigger than you when they don't give you what it is that you think that you want and need? That's a great question. I I just believe in faith. I feel like everything happens for a reason. Like, you know, um, we just talked about it. Like, it wasn't meant for me to be all pro and a Hall of Fame NFL player. That wasn't what my journey was meant for. Now, can I question the higher powers and say, why? Why did I tear my hamstring? No. This is all meant, and that's what I'm telling you. you. You have to understand that this is part of your journey. Like, I have faith that at the end of this all, that I'm going to get what I really want. What that is, I'm not 100% sure, but I have the ultimate faith that I'm, I'm going to have that at the end of this journey. This got a lot deeper than what I think I pictured or imagined it to be. <laughs> so, so thank you. Like I said, I, I feel like I did went through all that to talk about it so that somebody else can hear that and they don't go through what I went through. I was really in hiding for a good good decade of not letting people see me and trying to figure out what I was gonna do next with my life. So I hope that somebody listening understands that you cannot isolate yourself. You gotta surround yourself with people and there are things to do. I see a lot of athletes go through it, but I see people go through it in general. So. Yeah. I'm glad that you touched on the topic. I I went through it. Um, if no one else, let me not cry. If no one else gets that, know that I got that from that conversation um, that we had a couple right. months ago. I still want to go yeah. into hiding. I still I spend probably too much time in my bed still because <laughs> that's like a safe a safe place. Um, so yeah. that's why I wanted to have you on because again I know that a lot of people don't relate to professional athletes because we will never have those experiences that you did. Um, but I think that you guys learn lessons um, in a big way that can help help us and you at the very least helped me. So thank you for that. Um, is there a question that you wished that I would have asked? No, you touched on everything. I will say I am a real estate agent. Uh, I work for RSVP, a local company here. There's the plug, State. there's so, the plug. Sorry, let me not interrupt you, but yeah, plug it away, Mario, you tell me. So if you are looking to buy or sell a house, please let me know, reach out to me. Ellen can give you my uh, information. Um, I think I'm very good and I really have time. It's the off season. I have a couple business partners that help me as well, but it's always good to, to buy a house. Buying property is a wonderful thing. I know interest rates aren't the best right now, but you can't pick a time when to buy a house. It's always the right time to buy a house. If you are looking for something, I think Mario Bailey is a good guy to talk to. Um, why don't you just throw out your Instagram right there too. Let, that'll be the easiest way where people can of course come through me, but I also don't want to be that, for, I mean. They, they can just reach me through you. Okay. All right. Well, I will be the gatekeeper, Mario Bailey. Thank you so much for your time. I do appreciate you. No, I appreciate you. Thank you for having me.